Well, I've got one more quick announcement I want to make, and that is the National Day of Prayer is this Thursday. So it's Thursday, May 7th at 12 p.m., and so you can go to www.sdfellowship.com, and they'll give you all the details. You can register for the Zoom call uh, there, or you can also get a link to their Facebook Live And it seems like if there's ever been a time when we all need to gather as Christians from all over the country to pray for our nation, this is the time. So please go to that website and uh, join us. Literally, Christians from all over the country are going to be praying for our nation on that day. So now we're in a series. It's a series called Right. Because what we've seen, starting with Easter, we saw that if Jesus rose from the dead then he is right. He's right about everything that he said. And if we follow Jesus, the gospel says that we too are right. And we've seen in this series that being right with God means that we're saved, means that we're forgiven and accepted into God's family. And being right also means that we are new, that when we follow Jesus, the power of God comes to dwell in us and we begin to grow because of Jesus's spiritual strength. And so we're blessed. And we are blessed by God for a purpose. God's blessings make us special, but being special is not designed by God to make us arrogant. In fact, it's the opposite. God blesses us to make us a blessing to others. With great blessing comes great responsibility. And knowing that, understanding the responsibility that comes with blessing, it makes it a double blessing because... You may not know this, but responsibility in your life determines how much meaning you have in your life. The more responsibility that you take, the more significant your life will feel, the more you'll understand just how useful you are, how much you matter. And so for God to give us a blessing that makes us a blessing, for God to give us responsibility in this life actually is tied in with Jesus's promise that he gives abundant life. It's the greatest life we could possibly have. And it involves us being made into people who bless others, who take more responsibility. Because meaning, it makes us feel worthwhile. Meaning enables us to deal with suffering in our lives. And the more of Jesus's responsibilities that you adopt, the greater life you will live. So we've been looking at Matthew's gospel, the story that Matthew wrote about Jesus. And Matthew says that Jesus wants all of us who follow Jesus to be influencers. That if Jesus is right and we're following him, we are influencers. Now, some of you have heard this term influencers before. It's common in the social media world. Okay, an influencer is someone who's connected to a large number of followers And because influencers have influence, right? They're seen as having authority. They're seen as having knowledge, expertise, or they just have a relationship with their audience. And because of that, they can influence the decisions that their followers make. And so Jesus wants us to be influencers for him, for him. Matthew 5, verse 16 says this. Jesus is Jesus talking. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying that my presence with you makes you a light 
And I want you to shine that light so brightly that others would see the light that you shine and be attracted to God who is in heaven. And so Jesus is actively making us into people who will take responsibility to love God and to love others. And that's what he's doing in Matthew's gospel. And Jesus has a name for his influencers in the Bible, okay? In the Bible, Jesus's influencers are called disciples. They're called disciples. And so disciples are influencers. And there's three steps to being a disciple. Jesus summarizes this uh, in his definition in Matthew 4.19. He says this, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So there's three parts to this. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So follow me means commit to following Jesus. I will make you, this is Jesus saying he will help you grow. And then fishers of men means that you will help others grow. And so Jesus tells these people that he's talking to in Matthew 4, these people who were fishermen, that if they follow him, he'll make them fishers of men. So there's a play on words there. And so this actually was Jesus's mission on earth before he died and rose again for our sins. And so he made his disciples into influencers. And again, Jesus is actively still making disciples today through the Bible and also through the church. And so becoming a Christian means to become a disciple. And becoming a Christian, it's the journey of following Jesus and learning about Jesus and trying more to follow Jesus And this journey of discipleship is what we call it. This journey leads us to influence others. The idea here is that we commit to follow Jesus. That's the first part. And then Jesus commits to make us something new. He says, I will make you. And then we and Jesus together commit to helping others grow. And that's us influencing them to follow Jesus. So we're fishing for men and women for children uh, to come and to follow Jesus because he is worth it. Now, how does this work? Another way to ask that is, how does Jesus make us influencers? And the gospel of Matthew was written, you can read really any of the gospels, they're written to show you how this process works. The gospels are written so that you would know how Jesus changes us, how he transforms us, and how he makes us influencers. And so we're going to look at really three steps that Matthew shows us. The first thing that Jesus does to make us influencers, Jesus shows us how to start and how to restart. So in the beginning of Jesus' first sermon, Matthew shows us how to start and to restart with Jesus. I'm just going to summarize, but Matthew 5, verses 3 and 4, Jesus says, blessed are, so he's going to tell you who the people in the world are who are blessed. It's a surprising list. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit and those who mourn. So poor in spirit means spiritually impoverished. So it means spiritual zeros. Jesus says, blessed are those who don't have their act together. Blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are the people who are empty and they know it. Theirs is the kingdom of God of heaven. And the proper response to being poor in spirit is to mourn. There's a progression in this set of verses. They're called the Beatitudes. 
And so poor in spirit leads you to mourning because you mourn over your spiritual poverty because you wish you were better. And if, if you do that, you'll be comforted by God. This is Jesus being real. And in this, Jesus is saying, blessed are the spiritually honest. Blessed are the spiritually honest. Then verse five, Jesus goes on. He says, next, blessed are the meek. And the word meek, we don't use that word very often, but meek just means humble. It's the opposite of arrogance. And so these are people who don't think too highly of themselves. And so it's the, here's the progression. When you see that you are spiritually empty, when you mourn over your spiritual condition, then you'll be meek. And so Jesus said, blessed are the spiritually honest. Now he's saying, blessed are the spiritually humble. Blessed are the spiritually humble. And he goes on. And again, he's showing us, remember, how to start and how to restart with him. Verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And these are people who hunger and thirst to be what is right with the world. These are people who, who hunger and thirst to do what's right, no matter what the cost. That's what righteousness is. Hungering means that you're longing for the renewal and the flourishing of the world. You're longing for the renewal of your own heart and soul. Like you see these things that are broken inside of you. You see the ways that you fail. You see the ways that you falter and you long. Like you have a deep and earnest longing to be what God wants you to be. Like this is what righteousness is. Righteousness means you're willing to sacrifice even to make the world better. And so here we've got blessed are the spiritually honest, blessed are the spiritually humble, blessed are the spiritually hungry, the hungry. And so these are Jesus's influencers. They're spiritually honest, humble, and hungry. And this is where we start and where we restart with Jesus. So many people feel like, oh, if I'm going to come back to church or if I'm going to come back to God or if I'm going to try to see if Jesus will have me, I got to clean up my life. I got to fix things. And that's just not the gospel. That is the opposite of the message of Jesus. He says it really clearly here in Matthew 5. If you want to be blessed, just realize you're not what you should be. If you realize that, mourn over it and you hunger and thirst for God and for, like, for his ways, you're blessed and God will satisfy your hunger with himself. And so Jesus says, these are the people that he'll use to actually lead the world. These influences are, or these influencers are, Matthew 5 verses 13 to 16 says, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Like Jesus is saying, if you are these ways, you are what I'm aiming for. You're what I'm trying to produce and you will light up the world. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. And so the people who influence for Jesus, again, are spiritually honest, humble, and hungry. They don't have all the answers, but they are honest, humble, and hungry for the answers. I mean, this is the influence these are people who become merciful to others and they become peacemakers. And so Jesus is helping us. He's making us into a new humanity. He's making us into people who are humbled by who we have been 
And we long to display the radical love of God, the amazing grace of God, because that's what we've received from Jesus when we didn't deserve it. These are people who are living for another world. They're living under the authority of another leader. And Jesus knows that this is not easy. You will fail at times. And Jesus knows this. And so he's teaching us not just how to start with him, but how to restart with him. When you fail, when you don't do what Jesus wants, when you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and then you screw up again, Jesus says, blessed are you if you are spiritually honest about what happened, and you're humble, and you're hungry. This is, again, how we start and restart. So second, how does Jesus make us influencers? Well, Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, he says, come with me. He says, come with me. And Matthew describes Jesus taking his disciples out to do ministry. And in Matthew chapters 8 and 9, Jesus brings the disciples with him and they go throughout the land of Israel. And in Matthew 8 and 9, the disciples get to see Jesus teaching, healing, exercising demons, and hanging with outcasts. And so in teaching, Jesus, again, is showing people how to start and how to restart with God and to be his new humanity. In healing, Jesus is showing people what the world would be like if God were fully in charge. And so if, when that happens, if that were to happen, Jesus is making it super clear by these miracles that there would be no sickness, no disease, no infirmities. Jesus is saying, I am stronger than everything that's broken in the world. And it makes you wish that God were fully in charge, that everyone would follow him as their Lord. Now, in exercising demons, Jesus showed that he is stronger than anything that's evil, anything that's in us that's broken or evil, anything in the world. And then in hanging with outcasts, Jesus showed that he was serious about how to start with God. Um, anyone who was honest and humble and hungry, no matter what their life was like, anyone was welcome by God. And that's his grace and his love. And so Jesus made disciples by saying, hey, come with me, come see it in action. Let me show you how much God loves the world. And in his teaching, in his healing, in his exercising demons and hanging out with the outcasts, this was a huge part of them becoming influencers. Or, or influencers. <laughs> I feel like I keep adding a syllable to that word. They got to see Jesus's influence in the world and they learned how to do it themselves. So the question for us then is, how is Jesus doing this today? How is he still making disciples out of us? Well, we can come with Jesus in the pages of the Bible. Like this is exactly why this is the purpose for us reading the scriptures because we can read about what he did. We can read about what he said. We can read about how he responded to people. We can see him teach and we can learn from him. We can see him heal and we can know then that he can do anything. And so when something needs healing in our lives, we can go to him for our healing and know that he has the power to heal. And that means either he will heal or his no to your prayer for healing is even better than a yes. 
And then we can see him as we read, we see him exercising demons and we know that his power can help us grow through anything. Or we know that Jesus's power can save us even when our struggles don't go away. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that there are some things that we're struggling with that we can conquer. That if we were to apply spiritual discipline, if we were to learn and grow, if we were to get accountable, there are things that we can grow in and conquer in our lives. And then there's other stuff that's, that's, that's a brokenness that maybe is so deep that in the time that we have on this earth, we're just not going to see it unroot. And in that, Jesus wants us to know that he understands that sometimes the problem is in here, but sometimes the problem isn't us, but it's what has been done to us. Sometimes the problem is that Jesus knows that there are things that are acting on us that continue to keep us in bondage. And he can rescue us from it all. So sometimes he works with us to rescue us in this life, but sometimes the fullness of that rescue is waiting for us in the life to come. And when we see Jesus exercising demons, we can know that he understands our struggle and that he's with us in it. And we see Jesus, when we see him hanging out with outcasts, then we know that anyone who is honest, humble, and hungry, they're considered his friends. And more than that, they're made part of his family. And so, friends, this, again, this is why we read the Bible. This is why we read the Gospels, because it gives us a chance to come with Jesus in his ministry. In the Gospels, Jesus is saying, hey, come, come with me, and let me show you what God's kingdom is like. It's an invitation. We watch Jesus doing these things and then we see and we begin to understand how Jesus does these things for us. And Jesus influences us <clears throat> by showing how he influences his disciples in the scriptures. So now there's a third way that Jesus makes us influencers. Uh, the, in the third way, Jesus says, not come with me, but Jesus says, go and try. Go and try. I love this. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and 7, it says this, And he, Jesus, called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, this is so great. Jesus is saying, go and try. Saying, guys, go, go try. Again, we are blessed to be a blessing. Jesus blesses us with his presence so that we will go out and we will try to share his blessings with others. And so in Matthew 10, what we see here is that Jesus is sending them out to do the same things that they saw Jesus doing. So they go out to teach. You can see this in this verse. They go out to teach, to heal, to exercise demons, and to hang with outcasts. And Jesus is also sending us to try. He wants us to go and try. So teaching for us looks like us sharing with others what Jesus has done in our lives. 
It looks like us not being embarrassed when it's appropriate in conversation to talk about how you see Jesus alive and at work in your life, how you've seen him at work in your church. Neat stories about lives that are changing or people that say things like, this is us teaching. We're sharing that Jesus is our savior and he's king. It's us sharing with people to make sure that they know, hey, you know, I know a lot of religions say that you have to get your act together. You have to get your life right before God will accept you. Well, the way to start or to restart with Jesus is to be spiritually honest, humble, and hungry for God. We share that. Like This is the good news of what we're sharing. And so Jesus wants you to go and try to do this. Go and share with others. Then healing. <clears throat> what does healing look like? Well, if you have the gift of healing, then it looks like you going out and touching people and making them miraculously healed. Okay, let us know if you have this gift. If you do, I don't know about it yet. I want to know about it because we have some hospitals. We got some COVID patients and we need to see you. Um, but if you have this, seriously, you need to go and pray over people for their healing, right? And so that's one way that it looks. That's what it looked like for the disciples. I haven't seen that gift operate very much. Um, but, so, but so what else could it look like for us? If you don't have the gift of healing, it, it, we're not, we're, we can still go and try this. Hear me out here. So healing for us looks also like praying that God would do a miracle for people who need healing. So we have people doing this all the time here at our church. We're praying for God to heal disease, to heal sickness, to heal um, like problems. We've seen God do some miraculous things in healing. We've seen him, um, we've seen surgeries that were unnecessary. We've seen reattached ligaments that happened only because we were praying. Um, and so, but, so this looks like us praying that God would do a miracle because he can. But it also looks like, here's how also how healing looks. Healing also looks like us doing what we can to meet the needs of people who are hurting and suffering. And I think, this is my opinion, I think that one of the reasons why God doesn't heal as much as we would like him to is because it's, an actual, it's actually a greater demonstration of the power of God to see ordinary men and women and children serving those who are hurt and in need of service. Anyone can show up, lay hands, pray, and then walk away. But it takes real sacrifice. It takes real commitment. It takes an extraordinary amount of God's power and his patience for someone to keep showing up, to bring food, to help clean, to spend time with people that are in need. And so don't be discouraged if God doesn't answer your prayer for healing with a yes. Hear and ask if God's spirit might be prompting you to go and actually be part of his ordinary healing process for that person's soul. So again, Jesus wants you to go and try this. To go and try this. All right, then exercising demons, right? Same thing. This looks like us praying for deliverance for people who are in bondage to demons or spiritual forces of evil. 
There are some people in our church, in the church at large, who are more in tune with the spiritual warfare dynamics of the Christian life, who have a greater sense of the demonic, um, who have a greater sense of like, yeah, just, they, they just seem more fluent in that aspect of spiritual warfare and spiritual dynamics. Um, and so if you are wired that way, go do it. Please go do it. We have people in our church that need it. Let us know. But this also looks like us. Just helping each other to battle in our struggles. This looks like us recognizing that it is a spiritual war, that it is a spiritual battle. And it looks like us helping other people, helping each other grow through our struggles with sin and with brokenness. Sometimes it's stuff that's outside of us. It's relationships that are being destructive in our lives. Sometimes the brokenness is in here. Sometimes the waywardness is that I don't want what I should want. And I want all things I shouldn't want. And I need different kind of help with that. And so exercising demons for us, going and trying for us, means showing up and getting real with people and being willing to hold, to hear and to hold the pain and the struggles of other people. And then finally, hanging with outcasts. I mean, for us, this looks like welcoming anyone who is open to Jesus and including everyone who wants to be part of his family. This includes making it super clear to everyone that no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, the door is open to Jesus. And the invitation is, if you are honest and humble and hungry, then the arms of Jesus are open wide. So this is how Jesus makes us influencers. This is the process of discipleship. First, uh, Jesus shows us how to start and restart. Second, Jesus says, come with me. And third, Jesus says, go and try. And there's, I think, one other component to this that we see in the Gospels that's also vital for our own discipleship, for our own ability to help each other grow as disciples and to become influencers. And it actually combines all three of these things. And in this way, Jesus says, let's check in. Let's check in. Jesus says, let's check in. You and me, let's check in as a community. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 24, it says this, uh, they returned with joy. So this is when the, the disciples come back. Jesus sent them out and then they come back. And it says they returned with joy saying, Lord, Lord, you can see it like in their face. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Like they can't believe it. They're like, Lord, you, you won't believe what happened. You gave us this authority. Like we kind of knew that you were, you, know, you could do it, but then we didn't really think we could do it. I mean, we kind of were like, all right, well, Jesus, you're going to give us this ability to do this. But I mean, it works. It works, Jesus. Like the demons even, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And so they're freaking out. They're so excited with Jesus. They're checking back in with him. And Jesus responds. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. This unbelievable affirmation of Jesus. He's like, well done. He's like the devil himself is being crushed under your feet. He says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. So Jesus is saying, you guys did it. You're in it. 
you went out, you tried it, and it worked, and he's rejoicing with them. But then he also reminds them of how to start and to restart. He reminds them to be honest and humble and hungry. Verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Man, this is so good because Jesus is saying, look, greater things will you do. You will do amazing things, but I want you to know. I want you to know, and probably because there's going to be times when things aren't going to work so well in ministry. There's going to be times when you go out and it's not going to be all successes. And I want you to know that no matter if you have the greatest day of your life, if you have the greatest season of your life, or if you are in the doldrums, if you are in depression, if you are struggling because life is not what it's supposed to be, Jesus says you can still rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. Your names are written in heaven. God knows you. God loves you. God is your father and you're his son and daughter. And so we see the hope of the gospel that even in the midst of this process of discipleship, Jesus ends in the check-in where he wants us always to start. He wants us to never forget that we're not saved because we've had success. We're not saved because we've grown. We're saved because he loves us and he is gracious. We're poor in spirit. We are mourning over our brokenness and we're humble and then we're hungry. And so, man, so this is a really wonderful instance of a check-in between Jesus and the disciples. They're reporting, Jesus is talking. And then the rest of the gospel of Matthew after chapter 10, it's this same dynamic over and over and over and over again. Um, it's come with me and then it's go and try and let's check in. Come with me, go and try, let's check in. Come with me, go and try, let's check in. Friends, this is life for us. This is what discipleship looks like for us. Because like, we do this check-in every time we meet with Jesus in the Bible. Every time we pray to him, we're doing some kind of a check-in. And we do this also, not just with Jesus, but we do this with each other. And it's so important that we do this with each other because there's some things that you're going to fail in. And sometimes reading back and going, oh, Jesus, you did it a different way. I need to do it a different way. Other times it's going to take you talking to a brother or a sister or bring it up in your life group, right? This is where our life groups are just absolutely vital. If you're not in a life group, you need to get into one. It's super easy now because they're all on Zoom. You don't have to go anywhere. They're in your home. Like you can just you log in and you have a group of people that you can talk with, that you can be honest with and humble with and hungry with. Um, and so, but we want to be checking in with the community of the church. And I just, I wanted to just close this with a, I just want to show you this photo. Um, this is a photo of me with my kids in the canyon that's next to my house. Um, I saw this tree that had fallen and yet it had four other trees. These like other smaller trees were growing up out of the tree trunk, you know, and the kids were playing on it and climbing on it. And I just thought, man, wait, this is discipleship. Jesus died and rose again. He laid down his life so that we might grow up out of his love and share it with others. Bible says that those who follow Jesus and are committed to him, they're being changed by him. 
They're like trees that are planted. Like with, with where the roots are deeply nourished. They bring forth fruit in season. Their leaves don't wither. Everything that they do prospers. And so that's what we are. We're like trees growing out of the spirit of Jesus. And our fruit blesses others. And our leaves are for the healing of the nations. And this is the offer. You commit to Jesus. Do it today. Or recommit to Jesus. Remember that the way we start is the way that we restart. If you're struggling, if you've stumbled, if you've wandered away, if you're angry or frustrated with God, Jesus says, look, blessed are the poor in spirit. Be honest. Mourn over your brokenness and be humble. And then be hungry for God. Jesus will fill you today with his presence and his spirit. And so come and see him. Love the world. Go and try, and then let's check in. Let's check in with him. Let's check in with each other. Let's be the church this week. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Such a simple reality that spans the whole of Matthew's gospel. We love you. We love that you are working in our lives. We love that you're changing us. You're making us into fishers of men and women and children. That you're using us to influence the world around us. Help us, Jesus, to devote ourselves to you today. Strengthen us so that we would grow and that we might share what we have with others. I pray, Jesus. I just, I sense... Our church is like this hyper-connected web of relationships, and I'm so thankful for the way that we're able to support each other, to check in with each other, see how each other's doing. Let that grow. Continue to help us, Jesus, to commit, to commit to coming and seeing, coming with you, to then going out and trying. Encourage us when we fail, and then encourage us when we succeed too. Help us to take responsibility to be your light in the world. Not because we're perfect, but because we're honest. We're humble and we're hungry. And Jesus, there are people tuned in that don't know you. Reach out, Lord, and touch them. Help them to commit their lives to you. That they too might experience your power in their life. We pray this in your name. Amen.